0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismile, and uh, wh- wh- where's my partner in crime today? Brendan, what's up?
1: Much at all, Adam, not much at all, except from being super hyped that we've got another guest cast lined up. We have the amazing, incredible Time Extend fan, and more importantly, Sega Rally Revo developer, Paul Lovell.
0: Hello. Hey, how's it going, Paul? Time extend fan. This is, you, you, you don't want to lead with that. <laughs> You've done so many more interesting things. Uh, How you doing, guys? Thank you very much for having me on the
2: show. It's brilliant to be here.
0: Yeah, we're we're so glad to have you on and and to give you uh, the proper introduction that you deserve. I mean, right now you are a game designer working on the F1 franchise at Codemasters, correct?
2: Right, yeah, yeah. So we just uh, shipped 2019 last year. So that's yeah. So yeah, still there now. It's very cool. It's going really well. Looking we up updates for that game and stuff at the moment. So it's yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, and uh, you've. But I mean, F1 is is awesome. But you've you've been in this business for a long time. Because uh, I was taking a look at your resume and go all the way back to the Colin McRae days on the uh, you know Xbox PS2 generation Dirt. Uh, Sega rally which we're obviously going to talk about a lot today uh micro machines motorstorm yeah, you you've uh, you've done it all yeah
2: been around a lot yeah about twenty years now, now coming up and uh almost all racing games as well so uh yes
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely have cool. a type yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and brendan uh you're it's all franchises I feel like that that uh, you particularly love because Something that I don't know if we ever mentioned on the show, but but the way that Time Extend started was uh Brendan and I teamed up on a Micro Machines World Tour review uh for GT <laughs> okay. Planet and we My ended up God. chatting about it. Uh you know, we, we did we did the multiplayer <laughs> and then we ended up chatting about racing games or we just like, oh we, we love you know, we love the same games and stuff and immediately oh. we're like we have to start a podcast. So yeah, we, we owe a lot oh, to cool. the to the micro machines team. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> Yeah, it's we're so stoked to have you on. I mean, it's uh it's like the perfect time extend guest, I think, and uh have to thank you too cuz we recently started the discord and um, we've got a lot of people in Discord, uh, I'm sure, a lot of you are listening right now. And, and it's so exciting to get everybody together in the same room to talk about this stuff. But it's also so great that, like, anytime anyone asks a question, like, I wonder why they did that in Sega Rally Revo. You're like, this is why we did it. <laughs> and you explain everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's great talking to people that, yeah. It's, it's nice having a sort of path in to actually get an answer from things sometimes. And obviously, some stuff I couldn't tell you, but... Yeah, a lot of the time it's just, like you say, we did it because of this reason and so it's cool. Definitely,
1: and I think, um, I guess that's the funny part about the Time Extend Discord at the moment and then uh, the Twitter account as well because there's quite a mix of people who are actually working in industry and uh, fans and of course, um, as the the recent uh, controversial racing uh, opinion tweet has shown,
0: People can come out with yes. some
1: ridiculous stuff and it's been exposed to, like, the racing game developers and designers themselves. Um, I guess it's interesting yeah, that- seeing how some people perceive things.
2: Right, yeah, that was a, that was a fun Friday evening, that was, watching that uh, explode on, uh, on Twitter.
0: <laughs> it's still exploding, I'm still getting yeah, the forgetting. notifications. <laughs> it's amazing. It's always great, too, when you see the controversial opinions from people who are actually working in the industry. Right. It's like, wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it, it's definitely been a, a fun 48 hours uh, and time extend, planet time extend because we've, uh, yeah, Brendan put out that tweet and just, oh my God, the reactions are crazy, <laughs> but we're, we're going to do, we're going to do an episode down the line. I mean, that'll probably be the next thing we do. Just uh, okay. reacting to our favorite, uh, favorite tweets. Cause there's, there are yeah. some great takes in there and there are some takes oh, where yeah. I'm just scratching yeah. my head. Like, yeah, yeah really? Okay. But that's what happens when you pull the internet for these things, right? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll get into, um, you know, the portion of the show that, uh, that's focusing on you, Paul. Um, seems like a good place to start would be, you know, the beginning of your career and, and how you got your start in this industry and, and kind of what drew you to, you know, working on racing games.
2: Uh, so, originally, um, I had no background in games uh, before uh, CoMasters. I was actually working in IT for, uh, for a car manufacturer, and uh, unfortunately got made redundant. It was one of those last-in-first-out type of deals. Um, so, I was off to the job agencies the next day, you know, and the job came up at CoMasters. I think it was like a three-week contract, basically working on clearing up uh, pieces, uh, PCs, taking them apart, that sort of stuff, uh, with the chance of it extending. So like, cool. I'll go for that. You know, perfect opportunity to try and get into video games. Uh, because at the same time, I'd also made friends with a couple of guys on an import gaming forum. Um, I don't know if you brand you'd have heard of it. It's it's called Next Gen. It was a long time. I don't think they're around anymore. But it was oh yeah yeah in the days That's of winning. Bill. Right down in Farnborough, in London. It was basically the days of obviously having to get import Japanese and US games because the power territory was often very much delayed in in getting stuff. Uh, so yes I made a few friends on there and we started playing fancy starline together and uh, turned out a couple of them worked at comas as, as a level designers on on McCray. wow uh, so 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 when I went there it was obviously nice having someone who you knew uh, as soon as I started there and then one day yeah uh, he goes to me there's a level design position coming up uh, on the team Are you interested I' was like yeah, definitely. Hooked me up, you know. So, <laughs> get me. Yeah. You know, so, I spoke to the. apply applied for the position, and I, I did the test, and I and I got the job, and the kind of the rest from that was history. Really, there's no, there's no prior knowledge. I didn't go to university and, and get a degree or anything in design. I was just, yeah, just one of those things. I guess I got lucky a little bit with that.
0: Wow. And so yeah, that
2: was yeah, and uh, and that was straight into mid development of Macrae Three on PS2, and Xbox, and, P- and PC. So, yeah, it was cool, throwing it right in the deep end, basically, yeah, designed some tracks for Finland, and it was, off I went.
0: <laughs> oh, so so you're the reason that I could never get past that rally. Okay. I got <laughs> um, that's really cool. So I, I imagine before then, having worked in auto-manufacture and, and you know, your first job in game design, uh, being Colin McRae, you you were a fan of the series and stuff. You were playing this stuff beforehand, and you were very invested in it. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, as a kid, it was... Um, I mean, going go to like the fair or arcades where they had like outrun or or space harrier or afterburner it was, it was amazing and you know, these these video games you could play and then obviously with the mega drive you could play pretty good versions of those games at home um and it always was a sega fan you know and, and then that one day you go i went i remember on a christmas oh, a christmas a summer holiday going to an arcade and saw virtual racing and it was like absolutely mind-blowing you know so and from there it went on, it was like virtual Racing, <clears throat> Ridge Racer, Daytona, Sega Rally, obviously. And yes, i always a racing game fan and I remember used to, using to watch uh, motorsport with my dad, by uh, watching the Lombard RAC Rally and watching Formula One and stuff. And my uncle actually had a Lancia Delta, an 8-valve, oh. which was crazy, was amazing, <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, I remember zipping around country lanes and that thing at ridiculous speed. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was cool, yeah. So and he was he was obviously very into rallying. So yeah, it was a, it was a dream come true to work to work for Car on that project. It already was. It was brilliant.
0: That is so cool. Uh, Colin McRae Three was the first one in the series I ever played, and I think I must have been nine or ten years old. And uh, okay. yeah, never heard cool. of it before. <laughs> Didn't know who Colin McRae was. Uh, I, I I had an understanding of rally, but that was from playing like Sega Rally and stuff like that. And um, oh yeah, yeah. No, that game was. Uh, that game was phenomenal I mean it was it was one of those like generational leaps it felt like it anyway yeah. just like the I just remember just being blown away by the graphics I'd also never play the racing game that was that that felt that real before and that was that punishing especially with the damage
2: oh yeah yeah it was crazy yeah and Sega Rally was the, of course the influence originally for for the original Colin McRae you know the, the, the guys that made that were big fans of original game and that's, that's kind of where that came from so it's kind of full circle really in some ways
0: <laughs> yeah how was it uh just being a codemasters uh i know it was early days i know you were probably just getting your feet wet in the beginning but you know that's i think that's a time that a lot of uh fans of the Colin crane dirt franchises look back on is like that was a heyday because in in three or in the span of three or four years you had these games that just like like, yeah, there were more or less annual releases, but they always improved in in measurable and known ways above the last one. It just seemed like Codemasters was going from strength to strength. You had the Toka series, too. So, like, what was the environment there like? It was brilliant. It was, it was just really exciting. Um, I remember finishing
2: up Rally 3, and the, the guys were like, right, you we're doing Rally 4, and it's out in 12 months. Uh, go. Basically, and we we all stuck to the same environments pretty much. I know I I did all of Finland that time, um, uh, and it was really exciting because we had a really tight little team, and we just spend all day perfecting these tracks, or you know trying to make them as fun as possible, and, and it was brilliant. It was, and it was just you you giving every day to work, and you you know the game would get better and better every single day. It was cool, um, and yeah, Toka, the Toka team they were downstairs at the time, and they were they were on, obviously on an annual franchise too, and it was yeah, it was a brilliant time the code is then it was cool
0: yeah how did it work with um just because you said you're working on finland for a couple of those games was it like you know one one level designer kind of had their rally i guess you could say their environment um was it there, that kind of focus or how was it sort of split up
2: uh with rally three i think uh, that's a long time ago now there are two people per environment mm. and then for when we were not, when we moved on to four Column of 4. It was just one person for per an environment, pretty much, and then some. Some of the stages here and there, someone might help out on. But generally, it was you had an environment each and then and then you had an artist for that environment. So the the, the level designer would build the ribbon for the track, the track layout completely, and place all the objects like the trees and the the buildings and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the, but the artist would make all those assets. So it was really it was really cool. Really, you know, really close in that team with with working with artists on that. Uh, but yeah it was what yeah from from what i remember it was pretty much it was pretty much one one hour, one designer per environment
0: wow that's really cool yeah the, the, that's mm. the kind of insight that like never would have gotten like how uh those you know responsibilities are split up and whatnot yeah so yeah, it's much
2: different now sorry yeah go on
0: oh no sorry sorry
2: <laughs> no they're saying that like, later on obviously when the games got more complicated moving to the next generation there were the games got way more complicated so there's a lot more artists on those teams but the level design team for the first Dirt at least stayed pretty pretty small i think it was the same sort of size actually but the art team obviously ballooned massively because of what the requirements for for ps3 and 360.
0: right and oh my god like the first dirt just uh but what was was it it wasn't called the ego engine at that time right it was it went by a different name I, believe. I th- neon if i'm or am i making that up
2: I think it was I think that was the first one with ego but I can't remember. So, yeah, so, it's yeah such a long time ago now. Right, but, right. But whatever whatever yeah, I that, want to
0: say it was, but maybe not Whatever that engine was. I mean those games like Dirt was another uh franchise when it started just blew me away. I mean visually you you had first party racing games on those systems that did not look as good uh, as yeah, what Code was, was putting out then. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was cool, and then after that yeah. they went on to grid. Uh, which obviously, again, that that first Grid game was incredible, so... Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think that the first Grid game really kind of upped the ante for what people were hoping for that gen in terms of arcade racers, because it Mm. just... the, the atmosphere was incredible, because the first Dirt game has an amazing atmosphere as well, obviously um the kind of the nice gritty look was fantastic but like grid as we talked about in our gridcasts it just had that mm. level of excitement that you would expect to see in a real kind of race event paired up with the kind of underdog go getter going up against like raven west and that type of thing it was um yeah the, the original grid's pretty much even a masterpiece now i would say
0: yeah there's there's obviously you know something special about that series and um especially that first game we talked about a lot in that one podcast and uh yeah, it almost, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've talked about, but there were other games that were kind of trying to do that, like, like Need for Speed Shift felt like it was going for a similar vibe, but I don't know, grid, grid, like all the pieces were put together so well, and uh, and yeah. So that's that that's such an awesome time to be at Codemasters, but, uh, you know, being being the Sega fan that you are, uh, you couldn't <laughs> be pulled away, uh, I'm sure, from uh, the lore of Sega Racing Studios, so how'd you end up there?
2: Uh, so, uh, Guy, Guy Wilde, who set the studio up, he was originally on the McRae team. So, so quite a few people knew him. So when he set, when he set the Sega team up, obviously quite a few people, uh, would move from Comass initially, uh, to work, to work on, to work on what became Sega Rally. Uh, and so obviously all, I was very eager to start there as soon as possible, but obviously that, t- that took a number of years because the game was built from nothing. You know, they didn't use an engine that was pre-existing or anything. It was. It was written from zero code one day, and up until you know a complete racing game. Uh, so that took a, that took a while. So when yeah, when the opportunity came up, I snapped my hand off basically, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we're, did you kind of jump in midway through the project, or because I saw so they think you started working on 2006, right? But that was like only a year before the game released. Um, Right, yeah, so it was quite
2: late on. Um, At that point, the game, all the technical stuff was up, you know, and the game was up and running. It was just lacking tracks at that time. Um, So I went in as a a level and sort of level stroke game designer on that team. And basically my first task was was working on Alpine 1, which was pretty much in a pretty good state, but it needed just a few final tweaks. And then it was like, right. uh, I think the first track of every environment was in a pretty good state. Tropical 1 was the one that was the most complete because that was what was used for like the vertical slice of the game when they
0: showed it to people. Yeah, Um, it was in the demo I think.
2: Right, that's right, it was in the demo as well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: If I remember correctly, Uh, the demo was uh, Tropical 1 Alpine 3, sorry, sorry.
2: No, that's cool, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: You've got a good memory, (laughs) I didn't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it was a a really good collection, I think there was a canyon in there too, it was the one that was similar to the one from Sega Rally 3. Um, right with the, the, the dams to go
2: over. I remember now. Yeah, right.
0: And that was a great that was a great slice because those are some of the most memorable tracks in that game. Um, and I guess there was a reason why they were also chosen because something. We're kind of uh, moving forward in like the questions I wanted to ask, but something that always intrigued me was like the slight differences between tracks in *Cigarette Revo* and three because it's almost like there are segments of them that are taken from different tracks, right? And I imagine that's just because. You know, you only have three tracks in, in the arcade game, so you want to just take the best of, and you also want to tune it to the difficulty level.
2: Yeah, uh, so I was thinking about this obviously over the last few days, and so initially we were going to make three brand new tracks for Sega Rally 3.
0: Hmm. Uh,
2: the same environments, but they were completely brand new. Uh, and then sh- sort of um, during development of those, we decided, I can't remember the reason now, it may have been time, to be honest. We decided, well, we'll pick the best three tracks from those environments that exist in the game now. And we'll add like another alternate route onto them to sort of add a new twist onto those. Hmm. Uh, so that's basically what we did. So when you play Alpine One, you can see the sort of the little junctions going off. I yeah, mean, they were never. Yeah, they, they they were never intended to be like um, another content or anything. But they were just quite. Yeah. When we played them, they were like perfect opportunity to well, let's make a little route up here and sure. sort of Alpine One. You went up, didn't you? You saw like this the the, um, the slalom track and stuff. You know the uh, the bobsleigh. Yeah. wasn't that that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah so. Uh, Yes, that worked out really well. Those tracks were cool. Yeah, so definitely.
1: Cool. I think um, I remember when I would play Alpine one on the, the kind of when I first got it on PS3, and then I had the chance to play Sega Rally three as well. And I had kind of connected a line that clear, clearly wasn't there then that the kind of the track <laughs> right. in Sega Rally three was always planned because even though like I was I... playing the absolute crap out of that game. I didn't notice that little junction, and then when I played Sega Alley 3 yeah. and seen that there's a track up that way, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. So it's interesting to hear yeah. that the tracks in the Vivo were just designed so well that you could actually build on top of them if required. It's almost like a, yeah. a mini open world in some capacity, you could say.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah, and I think we, the philosophy with that was when you play games like uh, Daytona and you see like uh, Dinosaur Canyon... There's a couple of little areas on that track where the junctions going off. Yep. Or you play uh, and it... And so it was like that. It was like, oh, that's cool, but it makes it feel like a more bigger, fuller world, which was... And I, obviously... I'm glad you say that because obviously it worked. The illusion worked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about Ridge Racer 5 is because it, it's a game that really took that to the next level because, you know, you just had that mm-hmm. one or two Ridge Racer tracks from the first couple games. And then 5, they're like, well, what if every other road actually went led to another track? And it was... I, I don't know that anyone who started with Ridge Racer 5 really like noticed that, but if you were a long-time fan, it was so cool to see.
2: It was absolutely amazing. That was, yeah,
0: I think possibly
2: my favorite Ridge Racer, but that's definitely for another conversation. But I think mainly because I had a Japanese PS2 and playing that game was mind-blowing at the time because of what they were doing with it. And like you say, the, the tracks were cool. It was
0: brilliant. Yeah, it's it's a good way to like I imagine to save assets and and reuse some content, but also create something new. I feel like it's something that and it also if you're if you're really into those games, uh, and you're a fan, it's something that you always kind of wonder, especially when you're a kid and you have an imagination. And you're just like, ah, oh, where does that road go? And and then before yeah. you know it, you're drawing maps of like other alternate routes <laughs> and dinosaur canyon and <laughs> <That's> right, yeah, <laughs> very very cool. So yeah, I I just find. Sega Racing Studio is such a great but also tragic uh, existence. Yeah. Uh, like mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting to me because you know you kind of at least from what I remember reading about and press releases and stuff like that at the time you had the studio Sega put together to really honor its old IP and but the thing is that obviously. most if not all the people who were working there didn't you know work on those original games so Mm -hmm. you know i imagine it it was a great honor to be working on those things but also like was there any sense of pressure just like a lot of deliberation about like you know how how do we do this right how do we kind of advance the genre but also like stay true to the core tenets of sega rally or daytona or what have you what was the attitude like
2: um, I mean, that was before I started there. Before, whilst well, well, you know, ah, sorted all that sort of right, stuff out. Right, yeah, but right.
0: but the, the philosophy
2: for the for the whole studio was really take classic Sega racing IP and make it uh, appropriate for a sort of more modern Western world. You know, with so we'd have the career mode, and we'll have like the online multiplayer and the time. You know, the sort of the uh, the online leaderboards for time attack and that sort of stuff. Whilst keeping it feeling like a classic Sega game, you know the blue skies and the vivid colors and the uh sort of the big drifting and the really really loose camera that sort of stuff um but yeah I wasn't really part of it at the studio at that time time, so um but that's that was the philosophy for the the studio
0: yeah and I also find interesting because Sega Rally Revo came out um well actually when you when you all talk about it do you do you call it Sega Rally Revo or do you call it Sega Rally
2: uh, yeah because the Revo was the American I think American uh, and Japan actually but yeah for Europe it was just called Sega Rally so yeah yeah, it was, yeah and then they added the Revo for the for the US audience yeah uh, I normally call it Revo these days just so
0: people know what you're talking about <laughs> right otherwise people think you're talking about 1995, 1995 yeah yeah, yeah. I, I found it interesting they didn't just call it Sega Rally 3 everywhere I felt like that would have been a bigger I don't know that just would have been a more forceful like wow this is three like yeah i guess
2: because it was a new team making it and a kind of new direction maybe they sort of wanted to restart it kind of like i guess i was thinking about this the other day maybe like how doom the new doom that came out a few years ago it was just called doom it wasn't like doom 5 or whatever so it was a it was like a sure. new take on the, on the on the game so i guess I, I assume the philosophy was the same sort of thing for that
0: yeah and we also have to like remember you know they there was a whole other team that put out the SIG Rally game a year earlier that never made it yeah, outside the- of Asia. So, and that that's was 2006. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah uh, that was
2: cool. I played that quite a bit. It was good. Yeah. yeah. The language, but, uh, it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that game because I, I have that game. I keep going back to it. Um, I have a really hard time with it because it's very difficult and also it's mm-hmm. obviously difficult to navigate if you're not a Japanese speaker. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, have you spent a lot of time with it? I,
2: played, I spent a bit of time with it, and I, I really like, you know, the car upgrades and stuff like that. in it, but to be honest, I played more of the '95 disc <laughs> that came with it, which is just a phenomenal version of, let's look at arcade perfect version of of '95, wasn't it? So I did, to be honest, play play more of that version, but it was cool.
0: Yeah, that that version, it's literally just the the '95 ROM that they just put onto a, a CD. It's not even a DVD; they just put onto like a CD ROM, and then. Uh on the ps2 it's pretty great it's perfect yeah
2: that's cool and it was odd that the um sega rally 2006 never came out outside of japan that was odd
0: yeah i don't know what that was about i thought you know it's interesting because i feel like that game was a more it, it felt like sort of this natural evolution between like maybe sega rally 2 and trying to go for, because it did have like stages in the career mode. There was like, there was the arcade mode that had, I think, more of like the laps, but there was the, um, the circuit style. And then there was a career mode that had like the hard stages. And that was trying to sort of maybe bridge a gap to like a more, more real, not really realistic, but like something more along the lines of a Colin McRae. Um, whereas like Revo felt like more of like a back to basics, like, you know, we're going to do the pure arcade gameplay style better. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
2: Yeah, dunno, it's odd it's odd that they made that game and just it's kind of vanished. And no one was really talking about it either at the time. It was it was, it was strange. Maybe they were just testing the water with the brand name or something. Don't know.
0: Yeah, Sega was going through a lot of changes in the early part of two thousand, so uh, <laughs> it's not it's not either surprising way. they had two great, you know, Ooh. two two good rally games being worked on by Completely separate teams, completely separate groups <laughs> yeah. of people, and they weren't really, you know, coordinated on that. Are there any stories about Revo that uh, that springs to your mind when you talk about working on that game? You know, anything you're particularly proud of, or you know, thoughts about like eh, it would have been nice if we worked on this a little bit more.
2: Um, I think the original sort of idea for the game, I think we pulled that off. You know, I think it did feel it's just, and playing it this week, see so for this podcast, it feels great still. The game is really nice to play; it's really satisfying. You know, the drifting's very cool, and the racing's all nice and tight and stuff. Um, so I'm very proud of the game. It was obviously very exciting to work on at the time. Being able to work on a Sega Rally game it was it was awesome. Um, but I guess yeah, ultimately, I suppose if, if we'd have had more time, we could have fleshed the career mode out maybe more or something like that. But it was or built on it with a with a you know a potential sequel one day maybe or something. It was I think for a base for a first game of the studio, it was it was a cracking game
0: absolutely Yeah, definitely.
1: no I was just going to say um, you were saying about like a sequel and that type of thing and I was looking at an old interview um, that GamesRadar did with a guy himself and he was saying that expect downloadable content bonus cars, tracks, that sort of thing so I take it like you guys knew you had a base to work with and because of how well everything was structured it would be a case of just bolting on extra content if that was going
2: to come that's right yeah the game was built around that adding tracks and environments and there were a couple i think there were a couple of environments that didn't they either got cut or we planned them later i can't remember to be honest but it's probably fine you know they they were in previews and stuff so it's okay to talk about it one was stadium so the tracks would be in arenas mm. uh, it's kind of like a uh, you know with little jumps and ramps and that sort of stuff oh, potentially but they, they never got built they were, they, they were almost they were just a mood board basically uh, but one of the uh, the other environment was coastal, where it was like a Mediterranean environment, where you drive up in the mountains and come down, to like the lake or the sea. Um, and they did get built as far as quite early ribbons, and one of those tracks oh, wow. got turned into lakeside for Sega Rally Three. So you oh, you have at least yeah. seen one of the tracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so that cool. was that was used for that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and was there as far as other ones? content?
1: Yeah i was just going to say in terms of like the original tracks from 95 was there ever like i know obviously in sega rally 3 desert was added um yeah. but was there ever yeah. a case that revo would maybe get a kind of vintage championship type thing uh
2: that's not a, a, something i recall people talking about but i guess it's potential especially as we we had that environment built and we could have gone back and then done uh forest and the others as well that would have been all mountain that would have been cool uh, and obviously we All wanted to have the WRC cars in, but they, they can't, co- you know, uh, the, the yeah. cost was, I think it was you know, out of question at the time. So we, we had what we had, and and then Sega Rally 3, obviously, which is great, they had the WRC cars. I and mean, that's what I was going to ask like, for, for Sega Rally 3, I don't think that
1: the success of that game as an arcade title would have really hinged on the WRC license anyway, but getting it was amazing. Are you kind of privy of why, like, it was yeah. a kind of. A des- like, it was a desire to have that wrc license was it just viewed as a, a nice kind of boost to the title at the
2: time i think it was one of those opportunities where it was like we can get this let's put it in because it will be you know yeah that
0: was
2: that, that was the main reason really i think it was
0: yeah i mean you look for at sure. a lot of rally games from the day they most of them did not have wrc license the wrc license yeah. was kind of like i mean evolution studios and sony had it for a while Uh, and then it disappeared for a little bit and I think it was picked up by, well, Gran Turismo 5 had it and didn't do anything with it. Uh, and then it was picked up by, (laughs) um, you know, a bunch of those like smaller studios, like, uh, your, uh, and yeah. So, so yeah, I don't think the, it would have hinged on that, but it was definitely, it was definitely cool to see when you, uh, play Sega Rally 3 in the arcade. I remember I, the first time I did and I was like, wow, this has the Citroën C4 and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: I think I think that was the main reason. It was just it was just a cool thing to have, and opportunity was there so to take
0: it. Going back to the way that that game plays, like yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Like it still it still feels so good, and it still feels so distinctive from um, every other racing game, either from the time or even today. Uh, it it's just it's 30 frames, but it's very very smooth. I was playing it on PS3 because I picked up a copy uh, last week, and still super smooth. And and that perfect uh, you know Sega arcade uh, sort of philosophy of like it's it's very easy to get a car around the track uh, you know it's very it, you're not fighting with the car but it's hard to be fast you know and that's something that I think is a mark of a true truly great arcade racer and uh, you guys definitely nailed it with that yeah there's a nice lot of depth to the handling it was uh, it's cool it's, uh
2: yeah it's very it's, yeah it's very emotional talking about this this project because obviously
0: the way it, the tragedy of how it ended right. <laughs> for the mo for the moment we're focusing on the on the positives. Um but actually something that yeah, just yeah, sure. something it just came to mind, you know, you were a level designer. Um how excited were you by the uh, geodeformation tech and how did that influence like the way in which you designed those tracks?
2: It was brilliant. It was really cool. It caused havoc for setting up AI, getting the cars to um <laughs> Yeah. when you're trying to tune the AI later in the game. And it was, um, it was, it became, the, the AI became unpredictable because obviously if they get knocked about by the other cars on the track and you're trying to keep them to a, to get in a certain difficulty sort of level uh, and then defamation added on, added on top of that, you could never exactly tune the car to exactly how you wanted. So it was, you, you know, it was always sort of roughly there, which was quite frustrating towards the end when you were up against it, but uh, it, it was cool. It was it was brilliant being able to see see it all come together and you know that your laps could get faster and faster per lap because obviously your your grip level increased slightly ever so slightly as you as a, as a, as the track form more so it was clever it was a cool piece of technology for sure. On that note,
1: one of the my favourite things is and it's how I've always interpreted it maybe it's incorrect, but on one of the Arctic tracks I think it's Arctic two with the the lake. And because it's an icy surface underneath the snow, it's actually like the reverse of any other track in the game. So when the snow's oh, on top of the, the gets icy weird. The lake, you've got grip, and then you get to the third <laughs> lap, and it's the opposite of what the first lap would right. be on other tracks. It's and it was, it was a really cool way of reworking <laughs> it. And when I was streaming Sega uh, Alleyvo last week, it was something I talked about, and I was like, right. wait till right. you see this third lap, because it's going to be an absolute travesty. <laughs> and I was just like rolling around this ice doing awful and yeah it it was just it's it's a cool idea because it just basically flips what you kind of understand about the tracks because they just take that track deformation tech and use it to give you grip at the start and then take it away cruelly
2: and that for luck it was was trolling you the whole time that's brilliant
0: that's yeah no that's absolutely evil um i I remember the track where i first noticed like the the power of that of that system was canyon one because um you have, like, you get to that, like, what's kind of like a riverbed almost in the canyon, and yeah. there's, it's so wide, so you could take a million different lines through any of those corners, but then you have these puddles, and as the ruts get bigger and bigger, the puddles kind of disperse, and it's right, just like, yeah. it gets harder to avoid them, and you obviously want to avoid <laughs> them, but you also want to stay in the ruts because that's where the fastest, you know, that's where all the grip is, so it's just like,
2: yeah, it was just
0: and it also just made me think, like, why haven't games tried this again like why why is rally titles i think Motherstorm kind of did but never went as far with it if i remember correctly but sega rally was just so like realize that potential for a system like that Uh,
2: i mean at the time it it harmed things like frame rate obviously the the original intention obviously what we would love it to run at 60 on console but it wasn't which wasn't possible in time so um but I think with Sega Rally 3, we, they, the guys learned quite a lot of optimization for the, the defamation. So maybe if there was ever a potential sequel that could have been brought down back to console and we could have seen where we were, we were at. But yeah, I guess maybe that was one of the reasons why it did, it did hit performance a little bit. But it is a shame because it was a really cool idea and it worked really nicely as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I, know it's probably sacrilege for the people listening to the show, but I've always been of the mindset <laughs> that if a game can do something really special at 30 frames per second, you know, a racing game that it can't do at 60, uh, then maybe it's worth it to take the frame rate hit. I think I think Rally Revo definitely qualifies. I'd say the same thing about, like, Drive Club and its weather effects, for example. Um, right, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah, I mean... It would be nice. No one would complain about. Everyone would be happy about sixty. But also, I mean, there's that smoothness <laughs> and like oh, just just playing Sega Rally Revo again and just like I remember, I was the first time I was floored by the the motion blur it was just so beautiful. Yes. It was a, a similar feeling I got when I played PGR three for the first time. Right. Uh, yeah. And playing it again the other day, I was like, God, this looks like the motion blur it looks so good. Like, uh, just an amazing looking game. And you know. It you know when, like, you know, it's been, God, like, 12, 13 years now, and you know when an old 3D title still looks good? Like, that, that's an achievement because a lot of those games don't age well.
2: That's right, yeah. I think that's I think the art style and quality goes a long way for yeah. doing that, and it was it's, it's absolutely cracking-looking game, and the, the lighting, like, I was saying, like, the blue skies, and it's such a vivid-looking, beautiful game that it, it has aged really well. It's brilliant.
1: The lighting and the art style, funnily enough, it kind of stood out to me as soon as I played it. But when you look at kind of previews and reviews from when the game first came out, there's people still referring to it as like a realistic game. And I think that's what's interesting about the art style because it it treads really nicely on that verge of being an art driven title but also taking kind of cues from real life. And even, um, yeah, why Alpine's my favourite location of the bunch because playing it like i've been playing it recently on my tv at 4k 60 fps and you're still you're still seeing a game that perhaps looks a lot better than some of the stuff we see now because there's kind of the liberties taken in the art style really benefit the overall experience instead of this hyper realistic look and i think that's why it's aged so well and i will say i'm just i know we talked about 2006 earlier i'm not a fan of that game personally I, i do prefer Revo a lot um, purely for one of those reasons again, I feel as if two thousand six could have been any game really, if you kind of yeah. took away the Sega Alley branding. Whereas Revo has that nice arcade look to it.
2: Yeah, I, I guess one of the other things is we don't get games like that anymore. There's no, new, there's no new Ridge Racer to to have yeah. a similar sort of look. So people just you just don't see it anymore. It's everything's all very realistic and gritty. So when when you see something pretty and vivid it's uh it's quite it's quite surprising like I, i've noticed it myself actually recently playing uh, burnout paradise the remaster on ps4 and it's like this this game looks absolutely stunning still because it's the same thing it looks so so bright and sharp and happy and colorful and it's it's so different to the most modern racing games
0: yeah i mean revo really was at the time kind of like the anti-racing games because you you had that um that mid to late two thousands like kind of gritty sepia filter that a lot of games were using. I mean I you know, as <laughs> much as, as much as I love grid, grid was kind of the one that, that started it for racing games. Uh, but you had it in all kinds of games. I mean, where it was Gears of War or like, you know, what have you. <laughs> um Rally Revo was just it was like taking like, you know, like like taking the lens off and cleaning it and putting it back on. Like it was just like refreshing to see. Like it was just yeah. wow, I didn't realize like games could still be this um bright and happy and as you say colorful and and yeah look this good I mean, I guess I guess now we can transition into you know the game releases. Sagrada uh fall 2007. Um, I remember it was uh, in, in North America at least. It was like right next to PGR4, so I got both of those games in like the same week, uh, yeah. and that was that was really cool. Uh, critically, it did pretty well. I was looking I mean there were people like kind of knocking it because that's something that everyone did back then about like oh there isn't like a cosmetic damage model or whatever oh, but, like yeah. you know, which we we've, were very outspoken <laughs> about on that. how that is a <laughs> yeah. bad opinion and people shouldn't and and you know it must be so so freaking annoying because like no one cares about that anymore you know like people yeah. people are over it yeah. now <laughs> Caring about damage models,
2: yeah, uh, that for many years didn't it before they finally put it in and yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, it did well, but unfortunately, it just I guess the sales weren't there. You know, it didn't do as well yeah. commercially. Yeah, I guess going back to Brendan mentioned DL or DLC and other projects was. Did you quickly see like you had these plans maybe lined up for things you wanted to work on, and then slowly they were scaled back until. Until it all just kind of came crashing down.
2: Uh, yeah, pr- yeah. So um, obviously after I can't remember there was a little bit of a crossover between finishing Revo and Sega Rally 3 development, where people would move on to Sega Rally 3, and uh, so quite a few people working on that. And uh, and then there's a few other people working on yeah ideas for what we could do potentially next. And after Sega Rally 3 finished. Well, I think actually some people after we after the studio closed, I think a few people still worked on Sega Radix Three just to finish things up. Uh, but anyway, before we did close, yeah, the, we were you know we were trying to get projects off the ground, and ultimately, yeah, nothing nothing quite came together. So unfortunately, yes, it, we did we did close, but we did try hard for a number of months getting doing prototypes, actually getting prototypes up and running of, of potential ideas and unfortunately it's not anything I can talk about really of course but um, yeah yes yeah, so, you know uh, yeah so yeah it was, it was really it was really sad obviously because a lot of people were there really loved working up for Sega and the game was obviously cool and yeah, I think ultimately I guess it didn't sound quite as well as i would hoped um, it's just a shame yeah we didn't get a chance to sort of make a second game to try and or a second project to try and and make improvements but yeah
1: so i mean on that regard then um obviously you can't speak about specifics or anything like that um we understand that you were saying there kind of if you made a second game maybe some things you would change or another game just as sega racing studio was the likelihood that it be another sega rally game or at that point was there kind of enough wheels in motion that it would have been another series obviously you don't have to say specifics but i'm just curious if the, the intention was to make a sequel after uh, we owned sega rally 3 or like there was other kind yeah. of Sega
2: franchises at the time that were on the table? Uh, actually both, there was talk of, uh, making this, yeah, talking about a sequel, what, or what, at least what we could do with a sequel and how we could yeah. sort of make improvements, looking at all the feedback from the game and obviously stuff we wanted to do ourselves, you know, expanding the career mode perhaps and all that sort of stuff. But, and yeah, we were looking at another, another, an existing Sega IP to, to sort of make a change to that as well, make a new game, but
0: yeah. Yeah, um, you don't have to respond to this, Paul, but but given the the Sega IP that would be revi- uh, racing IP that would be revived, you know, a bunch of years later, I think I think I can assume what that was. But anyway, um, <laughs> um yeah, that's really, God, I mean, I think I think everyone uh, who was around at the time and could see what was going on, it was so heartbreaking to go from the high of like, wow, like Sega Racing is back to you know and that's it uh and and it's uh, i i unfortunately have to draw a lot of parallels between like what happened with um the evolution team when it went to codemasters and kind of the way that fell apart it's just like you see it's so much in this industry where like they're great ideas uh you know new teams started new projects started and then you know the first project doesn't do well and then those teams get dispersed uh and disbanded um i mean i guess the the silver lining to this was you ended up back at comasters right and comasters uh purchased that team or what was left of it
2: uh that's right yeah they bought they bought the studio the team the studio yeah uh and quite a few people stayed on I seem to remember and that was the, the a that were then split between because at the time Comasters were looking to make the f1 game they they got the license for that so they want they needed the team to build that on that uh so they were like this is perfect so a few people moved on to that. And a few people, including myself, moved on to Dirt because uh, Grid One had just shipped. I think it was. I think it was Grid One I just shipped. Um, I can't remember the time. Was it Grid Two or maybe no? It was. The, I think it was the first one. So then we were then back on working on Dirt. Right, uh, sorry, Dirt Two. Um, so a few people moved on to that, and I, and I think a few people also went on to Flashpoint, which was the uh, the first person who shoot a project that they were working oh, on at the time yeah. as well. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you could choose what team you wanted to work on. I think, and my preference was obviously go back onto uh, onto Dirt because that's what I knew. So it was cool. Yeah, it was.
0: Was there anything yeah. that you like, um, you or or anyone you were working with took with you, like having worked in the Sega Rally project, and like, oh, this was cool. Like, let's see if we can kind of you know take the learnings or whatever that that from that game and apply it to Dirt because I think to me, Dirt One was visually striking but for for some reason I think I just the handling model didn't click with me and then 2 was where and there were some changes to the design as far as like there was a lot of I think a lot of uh, uh, Europeans especially have an issue with like all the Americanized content in Dirt 2 but I think Dirt 2 was like Dirt 2 was where the series became really fun for me because um, like some of those stages I mean like uh, I think it was Morocco oh my god like a fantastic rally in that game um yeah i don't know is there is is there anything that like you kind of carried with you to that project uh
2: i don't think so because that game was already sort of starting up and they knew what they wanted to make with it so they just had a great Mm -hmm. design team for for making that you know the car handling team and the design team itself was um they knew what they wanted to do and they yeah so not really no not from memory anyway at least it's
0: it's cool you were a lot of you were able to kind of like you know land on your feet and um I mean it did kind yeah. of create an interesting situation with uh Sega Rally Online Arcade because god I can't yeah. I can't exactly I think that game, that game came out in like 2009 or something it was quite late right There's yeah yeah out remember. of nowhere yeah. as well it was just, yeah.
2: uh yeah it was weird so that's actually one one of the suggestions a few of us made uh, back at the racing studio it was like why don't we put this game out on PSN because uh, I think at the time, the, the 360 was still limited to size or whatever. I can't quite remember. But it was oh, like, let's put it on PS3. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, let's get out of there and see. And it, obviously, it never happened. But yeah, to see the, the arcade game, it was really weird. Yeah. I think Sumo made that, didn't they? Yeah, did they, uh,
0: was they did. I can't remember Sumo. Yeah. 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 an yeah, so. online arcade as well. The size limit is exactly true, because I remember to hit it, there was a point during the 360's lifespan where it had to be under a certain size, it was like 500 megabytes or something, or 250 megabytes or something crazy like that, and um, to make OutRun fit, that's why when you play that game it's very weird because it's all in HD, but the the menus and the HUD are all in like standard def 480p so it oh, looks really? really strange <laughs> yeah and then with online arcade I think by that by that point the restriction was lifted Microsoft could kind of see where the industry was going but um, yeah, sure. yeah yeah just just sumo working on that game afterwards I mean I, I obviously you, you weren't there nothing you could speak of but I, I do find it interesting that like they didn't as Brendan has talked about before, just like Sega Rally Revo really seemed to be tuned to the console. Like the physics and everything was tuned to controller. Yeah. It was really good. <clears throat> kind of shocking they took the seg- the approach of porting Sega Rally 3 to console rather than making a streamlined version with less tracks and cars of Sega Rally Revo. Kind of a curious yeah. decision. Yeah, I
2: don't know. Yeah, it's cool. It's good to see, though, but it was, it was weird because it didn't have a WRC card either, did it? They were, they were gone. Is that right? No, I
0: know. Yeah, they were gone. Yeah, it not have the license. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. The only thing I like about Online Arcade is that you did have that Desert 95 uh, track. Yeah, that, that's, that's the true. only thing that you really missed in Revo, but otherwise Revo is better in pretty much every way. I mean, it has more content, it has more tracks. It, yeah, it doesn't exactly have like the arcade tracks, but it has all the tracks that inspired the arcade tracks, so in a way it kind of <laughs> does, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: obviously the kind of the vision for Sega Rally 3 would have been different than Revo and in trying to make Free, was it to try and emulate the gameplay of 95 and 2 or was it more just we've got this kind of the, the way we've made Revo is for that depth and maybe kind of to inspire people to play it more on console when they've got constant access whereas like free obviously has been played in an arcade environment what game would you say probably had the most influence would you say from your perspective in
2: terms of like, the handling and the gameplay uh, what for, for Sega Red 3 it, would, it definitely would have been revo um yeah i think they were like let's just take what we've got and make a, a cut a cut down version of that game and put it out, put it out in the arcades and
0: it was it was good that the arcade version existed because you know come the mid to late 2000s you know the arcades were not A factor anymore in the west um so you could never lead with an arcade game you know you could never really argue i mean you look at daytona championship usa it's literally daytona one with a kind of new graphics filter on top of it uh so you really can't invest in it but to to take revo to take the backwards approach of taking revo and then apply it to arcades is pretty pretty cool and um that game was i think i like by the time the news came out about Sega Rally 3, it was very late, and maybe like right before it started like shipping to operators and stuff like that. Like it was, I, I'm kind of amazed it was able to be kept as a secret for so long.
2: <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't be these days, right? But uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, very true. yeah, it's
2: was, it was cool. And I guess it gave people access to this game that um, that maybe didn't have a PS3 or 360 at the time. Then yeah. Would uh would, would then potentially go and buy that console version of the game?
0: Uh so so you yeah you've said Sega Rally Revo is uh is a project that like you really look back on um really fondly and I mean you yes. you've you've had yeah. the privilege to work on a lot of really great racing IP. Uh, are there any that you were like? damn i really wish like we, we asked um we asked paul rachinsky this question and he said ridge racer and i feel like your answer is probably similar <laughs>
2: <laughs> to, to uh, a dream game to work on yeah be, right right yeah it'd be, yeah, it'd be ridge racer uh, definitely i mean yeah it's it's the one right it's the one that needs to come back the most and uh but, yeah it feels like that project needs a lot of love these days it's kind of been Left dormant by uh, by Namco because you've got Ace Combat and Tekken, but Ridge Racers just just sitting there and yeah, it's
0: real shame. I, I'm That'd a, be cool. I'm a little bit offended that like they, I mean I'm happy I'm not really offended. it's just like <laughs> that they brought they brought back Ace Combat but then bring back Ridge Racer because like, and I mean they still might. Uh, I played a little. I I was never really an Ace Combat guy. I was never really a a you know airplane, uh, dog fighting kind of, yeah. I never really got into those games. Um, it's great for like, for people who have been waiting for it, but at the same time I was like, I feel like you can make more of a, you can't really make a mainstream argument for either game, but you can make more of one for Ridge Racer because, you know, it's just a straight up racing game. It's easier to play. It's easier to just dive into. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that they, that they return to that. And if they do, that they put together a team of people who there are so many people who want to see it made, and and a lot of those people are working, you know, in the industry right now.
2: Ultimately, just Namco see it from a business point of view, and it's it's not viable. I don't know. It's odd because there was a Vita version, wasn't there? And then there was Unbounded on PS3, which yeah, I didn't I didn't like. I don't know what you guys thought about that one, but
0: yeah, not a fan. <laughs> we never we never talked about that. I've never played Unbounded. I as soon as I saw that that game existed, I was like, nope, not not <laughs> gonna even bother.
2: Yeah, I think there's a demo out for it, if it's still available to play. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting take on the uh, on Bridge Racer, that's for sure.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I think it just like it it just felt kind of like a slap to the face to actual Bridge Racer fans. Like if they called it anything else, you know, if they called it, I don't know. St- some, if, if they tried to the pitch it as more of like a split-second type game and didn't really yeah, sure. like call it Ridge Racer something, then it probably would have uh, gotten on better. But it was just this weird thing to try and leverage leverage the brand, but in a way that really didn't feel right. It, it felt a little bit disingenuous. Um, it was cool, though. that It did get some old Ridge Racer content. You had the uh, Esaluto Basante and the car from the first game, uh FA Racing. Cool. So that was kind of neat.
2: Oh, I don't know that. That's interesting. But yeah, was, uh, yeah, I, I played it and didn't, I wasn't really a fan of it, so I never, I never, no, I didn't buy it. So
0: yeah. <laughs> would you, uh, would you consider yourself more of like a Ridge Racer guy or like a, a Sega racing, Sega Rally guy? Uh,
2: probably Ridge Racer it is the one. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I remember just playing it in the arcades was phenomenal, and then you know when it came home on PlayStation. The original PlayStation was just just ridiculous, wasn't it? To, to see to have this arcade, very high quality port, generally yeah. you know generally speaking of of the arcade game in the home was was amazing, and obviously then they went on and made lots of very good sequels and for a number of years. So yeah, it was it was cool, but yeah, I love Sega Rally too very much.
0: <laughs> it's hard to choose, it really is. But I saw yeah, I, mean, yeah. I was I was looking I was looking uh, at the Discord. Um, and I saw your, your icon is, um, is the yeah. one car from Ridge Racer that the, the, the or I, I can never pronounce that car's name. So I don't even know how. Yeah. That's, that was
2: from the GT Sport. So I've got my, uh, yeah, my Ridge Racer livery in Gran Turismo
0: Sport. And that's, uh... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> GT Sport's great. Cause there are so many people who have made those liveries, um, yeah, whether it's, cool. it's from Ridge Racer or, you know, the, the Hornet from Daytona, uh, mm. really great to see.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and all the classic WRC, the Lancia one, you know, the, the Integrale with the classic WRC, the Martini livery on it and stuff. It's wicked.
0: Yeah. I'm so jealous of you. You actually drove that car.
2: I. <laughs> oh, I didn't drive the, oh, the Lancia. Funny. I was I was a kid when he had it. I was. Oh, okay. Back. Yeah, I was. I'm, I was a child yeah. when he had the car. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would love to drive a Lancia, but no, it was uh, it was many years ago when I was a, a little boy. But I do remember. It. I do you remember it vividly?
0: It's cool. I mean, even just a sit in the Lancia would be, would be yeah, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. As yeah. it was moving. My friend and I, uh, we recently discovered that there are a couple shops. We're, we're in the Northeast in the U.S. There are a couple shops around, like, Virginia and Pennsylvania that specialize in Japanese imports. And I mean, these things have always existed, but we never really borrowed to look. And it's like, the, the prices are actually really, really compelling. Like, I could get a Toyota Celica GT4 SC205 with relatively low mileage for, like, Nineteen thousand dollars or eighteen thousand dollars? Like, yeah. Why? Why would I buy? <laughs> why would I buy any new car when that option is apparently available to me? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, but anyway, mm. kind of going off on tangents. Uh, yeah, I mean that was pretty much all the stuff that uh, I wanted to focus on. You know, you've you've shed so much light on Sega Rally Revo, and and it's it's you know really great to to hear it. You know, from someone who actually worked on the game and and has so much love for all these series, um, Brendan, I don't want to cut you off. Is is there anything that's uh, going through your mind right now?
1: No, I think um, we, we've kind of covered the, the main interesting points about the, the short-lived uh, Sega Racing Studio and. How much like Vivo stands the test of time because it's been like a, a bit of a bug almost since Time Extend started. Where get mentioned in passing, and then obviously once I realised I could kind of go off and off about it, Adam started to get bored, and he's like, "Right, okay, we'll <laughs> have a look at it again, and uh, we can see what's there." And then since we started the Discord as well, that's inspired people to kind of whip it out again, and there's even conversations about getting a, a lobby going um, yeah, to play it again. And it, it, it's just good to see it kind of getting the recognition it deserves, because it's it's a hill I willingly die on, to be honest. In terms of oh. like modern racers, if it's Sega Rally Revo, Evo, Blur, or um, to a slightly lesser extent, Split Second, those three are like the ones I feel as if were kind of unfairly forgotten about in many ways, and that's yeah. why we talk about them so much. And one thing that is really interesting yeah. is how... Like, Blur and second, for example, because they are quite a bit newer as well. Um, When we did this controversial tweet thing, they're getting so many mentions, but surprisingly not as much for Revo. But like, in terms of the Time Extend community itself, I think pretty much everybody that's talking about it has played it in some capacity, and I I guess as a a games designer and developer, that's all you can really ask for, that the kind of hardcore community embrace the game, and... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the intention last week was a half an hour stream Mm -hmm. to, to play some Revo, I just revisit it, and then two hours twenty minutes later, I was like, "Fucking hell, I love this game."
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. And it's really nice seeing people talk about it and stuff. You know, it's well, all all these years later because it's, it's, it's a long time ago now. You forget that it was two thousand and seven. Here we are, thirteen years later. You know, it's
1: yeah, it's,
2: it's crazy. It's cool. We should, you know, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's good. And, and split second was cool. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine worked on that game actually. Who, who I worked at later on in uh, after after Sony? He worked on Split Second, and yeah, he felt the same way as Revo. You know, it was they were they were taken too soon. You know, to make another yeah, game or do yeah. something different. And because they worked on Pure before that, did you ever play that? This oh sort of, yeah, um, I really like Pure. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, I think the racing game Souls community in general were were really good team. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's right, yeah, they came up with some really cool stuff, and, yeah, the racing game industry just kind of really got hit hard in the UK, didn't it? So, it's a real shame, those, those few games, Bizarre Creations as well, obviously.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you guys are keeping it yeah. alive now. Like, it's, um, you mm-hmm. know, it's Codemasters, it's Playground, working on Forza <laughs> Horizon, right. like, you, you yeah. if it really wasn't for UK developers, there, there would be no <laughs> good... Uh, at least arcade racers anymore. Um, so, <laughs> thank you for for fighting the good fight. And I and I have to I have to give a thank you to, to you and the community as well because like Cigale Rivo is a game I I played a lot at the time I, I I liked it but for for whatever reason, um I think I just had some expectations about what I want from the series and like when I was younger I was like eh, I don't know but just like revisiting it in you know last week and then also hearing brendan's enthusiasm about it since we started this podcast <laughs> really made me go back and look at it with fresh eyes and be like no this is why this game's actually brilliant and um yeah and it's so great to be able to do that and to be able to have like a community to like talk some sense into us every now uh every now and then which is uh, <laughs> just pretty great but yeah i'm really i'm really stoked to get like that lobby going um because That'd yeah it'd be cool. a lot of fun and i'm amazed it's still up uh, i guess yeah. yeah all the old lobbies on the 360 on xbox live are gone but i guess just the way the ps3 is set up they can continue
2: yeah i mean yeah let's get it done before ps5 is out because maybe they'll, uh, they'll start turning off old lobbies who knows well oh, no the yeah. the, the
0: yeah. ps5 i mean maybe but then again the ps5 is supposed to be backwards compatible with every playstation i think right yeah that's what we've heard <laughs> so yeah and i also have to say uh before we close out that like we i, I kind of feel bad because we you know, we focused a lot on Sega Rally. We didn't really uh, get to plug the stuff you're working on now, but like the the F1 franchise, I think is secretly like the best, consistently the best racing game this generation. Just like oh, okay. 2018 yeah. was what I played the most of. I I didn't get 2019, but oh my, like, 2018 is just like there's like nothing I could ask for that I want in that game that I didn't have. Like it was perfect.
2: Cool. That's really nice to hear. That's cool. Yeah. We yeah. Uh... Yeah, making big strides. Now we've got we've, we they moved to a two-team uh, system for that game. So we've got a, you know one game working on one sorry one team working on one year, whilst another team's working on. If yeah, so, we can so we can basically spend two years on a project instead of one. So and 19 was the first year we did that. You can see that you know the big changes we made this year to the project. It's uh, it's really paid off for us. It's cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, keep uh keep up the good work. Uh, excited to see what happens next. Um, I tend with the annual franchises, the annual sports franchises. Like, I feel like it's hard for me to get everyone every year, but I, I might feel oh. like 2020, <laughs> I might return because uh, I haven't played an F1 game in a couple of years now. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah keep it up. Uh, is there what's a good place uh, if people want to find you online? Uh, you know see what your uh, controversial racing game takes are
2: <laughs> the man, yeah. oh, actually no i did uh F was F uh, f-zero versus wipeout and uh, yeah <laughs> see it, uh, see it for is, your shame yeah. paul
1: <laughs> what's your favorite it's f-zero
2: it's... wow uh, yeah. you're, you're you're going you're going against you're going
0: against your country man I don't know if you can yeah. I don't know if you can legally be a citizen anymore if you if you prefer f zero the Wipeout.
2: And that's it also massively average a sequel right? I mean the gamecube yeah. one. That's oh yeah. A very very long time ago so it's maybe one day.
0: Right. No, I mean, if I if I start talking now about how GX is the is like the best racing game Nintendo ever made, and Nintendo can't make a good racing game, the this show would never end. So we're 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 gonna save everyone that uh, <laughs> that discomfort, and uh, we're gonna close it out here. Is there a place that uh, you want to share? if People can find you on Twitter or something like that, or anything. Sure. So for
2: my, yeah, yeah. My Twitter handle is uh, DC Arena, and uh, yeah, come and follow us up and maybe i'll say something about f0 you
0: know very cool <laughs> very very cool well thank you again paul so much uh this was a great time we will see you all listeners we'll see you all again uh, very soon and probably talk about some spicy game takes so look out for that yeah thank, thank you very awesome. much